Welcome to this latest episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Welcome to this latest episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, I'm tripping over my words uh, again. Um, me and Gary are joined again by by Chris. Uh, we thought uh, Chris was such a resounding success on the show last week. We thought we'd, uh, we'd get him back. So uh, we've had a lot happen in the Wanderers world this week and in the CPL in general. So really excited to uh, to get into it. Um, before the lads say hello i just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who submitted questions this week we got so many that uh we're going to do most of the show of just answering questions from listeners it was uh like we always usually put them out every week but this week was like a i don't know what it was i think it was because chris retweeted or something i don't know but uh yeah man it was a pretty spectacular uh response so uh welcome back chris and uh hello as always gary hello hello i think and your your natural state is probably sloth like and now that you don't even have to prepare any questions for this you can really <laughs> lean into that as a habitat <laughs> you just have, you literally just have to, to rock up and read other people's questions and well, then it's, have it's, a little nap long may it continue as well i will say <laughs> so um we, we obviously had like a, a lot of moving parts with the wanderers um in, in the last week or so since our last episode uh did what i think one telford did he sign at the after we released that episode or, so yeah one telford yeah. was announced on the wednesday then we had uh vitor diaz uh we had cream so christian voleski and then today uh was camillo i'm gonna butcher his last name vasconcelos maybe when, uh, when when that announcement came out mate i thought the same thing i was like I <laughs> we are we are not gonna do well I, I, I know we are we're, and i i apologize and i know oh, you should know because he's been around for a while but uh i just wanted to do um just to uh get uh chris's thoughts first of all uh because it was a follow-up to like last week's episode uh obviously the news today that one soccer is continuing with media pro for the yes. uh, next season at least anyway so what's the latest on that chris yeah i actually you know i kind of mentioned the olive branch sort of as an aside as i was talking about the situation you know kind of like a how can we find a middle ground type thing the part that stood out the most for me is it appears that the league are going to be able to get the properties in terms of uh games basically all the, the content from the vault as well as documentary segments, et cetera, et cetera, interviews, you name it, which, you know, from a ownership perspective, I'm sure they look at that type of stuff as we pay for the players, we pay the players, we provide the field, whether it's through rentals or ownership, we are essentially who's created the content for you guys to produce for us. In the end, I believe it's in the right hands, uh, in the ownership's hands. And, and to me, for the exit point to come, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any litigation or if there is, 
It's just going to be to tie up some loose ends. But from a general sense, it seems like a clean breakup for something that has been so public and so ugly. It's almost a, a time to not so much rejoice because there's still going to be a lot of questions going into next year in terms of the league's production and, and where, where things go. And, you know, from, from a CONCACAF perspective as well with the Canadian national team, CPL fans and Canadian national team fans are so intertwined. You know, how is that content going to lay over in the future with the Canadian national team's rights being owned by the CSB through the CSA, but the CONCACAF tournament rights are obviously still media pros property uh, through one soccer, through the CONCACAF relationship. So I, I, there, you know, some of the the bits and pieces and the details that were released publicly, like I said, um, it looked really, really ugly. It looked like it was going to be an ugly divorce, but you know, the kids are going to at least get to spend one more year with the parents is, is, the, <laughs> is, is the celebration. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm super happy that something got sorted because um you know, like we're so we're coming into preseason. Uh, some of the teams are already in preseason, and the fact that we're um, worrying about how we're going to watch games and, and stuff like that is uh, is kind of nice. That it's kind of got resolved. Gary, I did have one question for you before we get into the player thing too. Uh, our good friend of the show, uh, Josh Healy, uh, was um, the Tristan Henry saga drama that's been going on. Uh, he did a really good job with uh, kind of tying up some loose ends on. Uh, the Northern uh, Tribune thing that that's going to look ugly too. But you know, like where we are as a league, like you're obviously like a, a kind of journalisty writer kind of guy, and you, you reach out to people. Like, do you feel that like some of the writers are worried that they're going to um, like piss off the clubs and lose access if they're printing these kind of stories? That I think we all have the right to know. Yeah, I do, and I think it's worth bearing in mind that the people who are writing these stories. Pro- they that not probably they definitely know a lot more than they're allowed to put in the stories as well and there's a reciprocal relationship with those sorts of players those sorts of people and the players because the national press don't report on this league to kind of any real degree so if players want to kind of put a message out there that they want the club to hear and other clubs to hear they use these kind of local journalists they use the independent journalists and I think, and I, I genuinely say this with no with no kind of information, but if I'm reading between the lines of that Tristan Henry situation, I imagine he's reached out to Northern Tribune in some way, or Northern Tribune's reached out to him to say, I'm, I'm thinking of printing this story because my sources have told me this. And he's probably okayed it, or at least kind of not told him not to publish it. That's the way that's I would lay money on that being the case, or he might even be a source in it. I don't know. And I think he's wanted it out there because he's trying to kind of leverage some more power to get the move, which he clearly wants. And I think that story has obviously been released. He's then seen that it started to backfire on him. I imagine the club contacted him and were like, what's this? Um, Why are you kind of making this public? He's realized instead of getting leverage from that situation, he might actually be jeopardizing his move by by allowing that story to get out there he's kind of panicked a bit and then released a statement which I I would have had no problem with the statement if he just said kind of I want to distance myself from this blah 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 but the fact that there was an edge to it which almost had a go at John and attacked the integrity of John's reporting that's why it annoyed me a little bit because like John has worked tirelessly for free on this league for years now and he produces consistently good work and just because a player kind of didn't really get his own way out of a story to then 
drag his name through the mud a little bit. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. So I'm glad Josh's reporting kind of vindicated what John had been saying at the Northern Tribune and showed it to be true and showed it to be a piece of writing with integrity and truth to it. And so where does this kind of leave Tristan Henry, really? Because, you know, like, after, like all said and done, like, obviously, it's it's an absolute mess, to be perfectly honest. And the USL, where he was supposed to be moving to, is coming into their preseason. So a lot of players are signed already. Um, obviously, he's one of the stars of the league. He's won Keeper of the Year a couple of times. He's a four-time champion. But, you know, A, is a, is a kind of hurting his legacy a little bit? And B, like, where does it leave him in terms of what? where does he go? I mean, I, I feel like the situation, we've seen it publicly, but privately that plays out every preseason with a handful of players at every single club. So I don't think it's an unusual situation. What's unusual is that he's tried to get the story out there to leverage a move. Um, I, I imagine it will be okay, though. Like, if he does stick around... There'll be there'll be talks. People will kind of sweep it under the rug, and in three or four months, it'll probably be forgotten about. Um, but I like I don't I don't hold I don't think there's anything wrong with him wanting a move. He, every player in this league should want to move to a higher level. But there's a way to go about it. I think. Chris, no, I was just going to add. I remember reading a tweet. Um, I I don't really want to do the scroll because it could take a couple minutes. But it basically was lining up the fact that it comes down to his citizenship situation. I think his green card expires. Yep. Um, at the at the end of the year and it could be the type of situation where if the relationship is broken he would more or less just sit until the next transfer window where forge would essentially then make that deal could be for free or alone so tristan could then at least fulfill his uh his detail ship to keep his green card his this is the last year of his contract if i'm not mistaken correct yeah the, so the yeah. whole the, the whole issue is over the option so they yeah. he had an option they triggered it and it, i think and in fairness before it's like that's everything went in the right and i know exactly it's kind that. of been an unwritten rule in the league where if a player like it happened with jeremy I, I think where like you know we want to trigger his release or his option he wanted to move for whatever reason um and we kind of went like okay like as a matter of good faith we'll let you go kind of thing and i think that this is probably the first time that clubs probably pulled rank a little bit and just gone like no 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 like you're an integral part of our squad, we need you here, and I think that's kind of where the bone of contention probably is a little bit as well. I think it's also interesting. Forge has been like a, a not a mystery, but for their success, how the club has operated, it's been such a mystery, and this has almost peeled the tin on the tuna can back to an extent where we're almost like, you know, has this been an emotionable type of business being run by the owner? Or is Bobby, not to call him like Darth Vader, but is he like the guy who's running the show for, what's the fella's name above Vader technically? Uh, I'm, I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So like... It, it I'm not a big Star Wars guy either. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> you knew that pretty good. I know, I know. <laughs> but, but to me, it's so surprising. A guy who has his hands in so many cookie jars has almost given this right. Because if the reports are true, Bob Young was willing to let him go because, you know, again, loyal to the club for five years, uh, one of the staples of this league on and off the field, a fan favorite for the Hamilton folks, somebody who's easy to to, to taunt from an away perspective, but we all respect him and like him for yeah. what he's worth, right? And, you know, it's it seemed to me that all the chips align, but I also have to point out the fact that when you sign a contract, you sign a contract. 
you know, if the chess move was made during the previous contract negotiations where Ford said, we'll only give you X amount if you put the option year in, he probably should have had the long-term vision to realize, well, no, if I put this power in the club's hands, that's not going to look good. So, you know, was, was he greedy in the short term is something that I've also kind of thrown out there more privately in conversations, but here I am putting it into the podcast world and, and I'm not trying to talk bad about the guy or slight him. You know, I've had tons of conversations with Jan Michael about uh, the, the, fr- the fraternship or, or whatever you would call it, the frat, if you will, of the goalkeepers in the CPL. And he has nothing but great things to say about Tristan. And it seems like, like that's a, a unanimous thing by some of the other keepers I've talked to. So for me, it just seems like, as Gary was saying, this is his last kind of Hail Mary leverage point. It seems like the relationship was already broken behind the scenes. Whatever has gone wrong in the negotiations has already kind of left him with a sour taste in his mouth. This is almost him giving no other option but to drop the nuke, if you will. And this could accelerate things in the near near time. Maybe he's off until July when it's, you know, the pre-contract time comes around. Maybe Forge releases him, which I, I at this point, I don't see that being an option because why would you trigger the option? But when I was saying about pulling the tin can or pulling the top off of the tin of tuna, what kind of disconnect is there between Bob and Bob? for lack of better terms. Yeah. And that's the, that's the most exposing part of this thing for me. I feel like it's pro- probably something that's kind of run- going to rumble along for like a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things that players have the security of the option year and the club puts it in there for their own s- sake. What's the point of having them if you're not going to accept when somebody triggers it? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, anyway, um, let's move on. Um, we will, I'm hoping to have, uh, like, obviously we were joking about like uh, Kevin Anderson, but I'm hoping to have him on the podcast to kind of get a, his insight into um, uh, the, the Forge thing before the season starts. So uh, I think he, yeah, he'll he'll good. he'll know a lot more than us. Um. So yeah. So uh, Chris, uh, to you, um, uh, your good friend, uh, and uh, uh, Marvin's good friend. Like you guys have like have such a. Uh, a buddy thing on uh, like I love seeing your pictures on social media and stuff uh, with Cream Sale. So how stoked were you to see that he actually finally got the contract that we all kind of wanted him to get? The the yes that came out when I read the text message that my brother sent me was audible. Like I actually had to duck my head out of my room to make sure my grandfather didn't think that something happened and he had to come check on me. <laughs> but I was ecstatic, man. You know to see how hard this kid has worked behind the scenes through his academics, through a pandemic, plane flights back and forth, miscommunications, lost communications, found communications, promises made, promises broken, promises picked back up, promises kept. Um, You know, I personally, uh, to myself, and I can't wait to see him in person, you know, Matt Fegan, for whatever criticism anybody has ever given him for developing this club, for, for putting the players in the field and in the right spots and, and whatever else, you know, to, to see how this worked behind the scenes and to see that Matt is a man of his word, the way that he showed he is, is, is my favorite part of this whole thing. And Kareem's trust in him and the conversations between Kareem's people, the school, the wanderers, it's refreshing to know that, when somebody gives their time and their effort to the club that the club will, you know, scratch my back, scratch your back. He's such an ambassador. And when he was here, even when he wasn't playing, Oh yeah, Go, like, and, and that to me was one of the things that stood out what he does on the field. I'm sure we'll talk about it as the questions go on too, but where he fits into the system. 
But, you know, I, I even had this conversation with him um, when I congratulated him on the contract. You know, he, he comes into this club as a veteran of sorts, you know, aside from Rampy, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of time and tenure, he's the longest representative of the club now. So he's filling in those gaps that a Jake Ruby has left, a Peter Shala has left, a Christian Oxner has left. He knows the ins and outs of the club. And as we've seen with the signings, it seems the trend and, and the idea that Matt is going for is familiarity. Why bright, what, or what's the term? Um, don't fix what's not broken, if you will. And we've seen, you know, bringing back ex-players, bringing back players familiar with the league, bringing back players who have trained with the team. And Kareem, you know, whether he was starting, which he was during the kickoff alongside uh, Matteo Restrepo during the injury crisis to start that season. And him sitting on the bench and, you know, doing his pregame warmups, but having to watch from the press box, working with the under 23s, putting in the hard work in the grind and to see that rewarded aside from all the personal connection I have with him is what made me really, really happy. And uh, I couldn't be more proud of somebody. The fact that it's even a two plus one deal too. So he's going to be able to root himself here. And if his future is away from the sport, he always said that this kind of felt like a home away from home for him. For a kid that had to have so much focus as well on his seasons with Montreal and trying to win national, I mean, he perennial national champions and stuff. He was still so focused and devoted on the club and was always in communication with me and Marvin about, you know, what was going on behind the scenes, if you will, of what we knew. And, and to me, he was a through and through wanderer as it was. So it's just tremendous to see Matt give him more than just another chance to prove himself. It seems like he already has. And to me, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, and he, he's a really good footballer too. And I think yes, yes. a lot of people have kind of been uh, worried about or back up if uh, Kyle Lockery or uh, Dan Nimick gets injured. And I think he's a well, uh, well able, well capable uh, backup for us. So, so Gary, just moving along to, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of club our, our wander, um, our wanderers Wednesday thing together. Uh, yeah. So Victor Diaz and Christian Valeski, like uh, two more experienced players again that we've kind of brought in uh, obviously like Vitor is a little bit uh, younger than what Christian is but uh, I know you've kind of like um, been talking to a few people about uh, Vitor so what have you kind of found out what can we expect from him and then just as a follow-up uh, for Christian Valeski uh, what can we he, he seems like a bit of a target man which I think is something that we kind of needed there uh, what do you think he'll bring to the team too? Yeah they're both quite interesting profiles and I think they're both profiles of players that we we needed um i feel like when we're talking about vitor diaz who kind of ostensibly is a 10 he did play as a dm for in college at some point sorry in mls next pro for a little while but really really is attacking is an attacking midfielder is a is a is a 10 and what that position means in our club because I think everyone listening to this, if you kind of know football, when you think of a 10, you think of someone playing in the pockets between the lines, trying to pick pick the lock, final ball. But a 10, at least in the way we were playing last season, that was that was not their job. Their job was to disrupt and bring a bit of chaos, to press, to pull out to the left, to give Massimo Ferrin space to run into, to move into central areas. So it was a really, really selfless role. R10. But now I look at someone like Vitor Diaz coming into the group, and I think that shows an obvious shift towards having a more traditional 10 who can play between the lines, who can find that final pass. So I'm interested to see how he 
just how he fits in and how he's used because I, I feel like we've got a few players now who want to kind of live in that zone 14 zone 15 role where they're kind of they're in the right half space but they're left footed and they're trying to create things from there and I was doing some reading on him and I noticed an MLS scout had commented on the post about him signing. So I DM'd him and he was nice enough to kind of give me his summary of, of the player because he he had scouted him quite extensively for an MLS club. I think it was into Miami, but I'm not entirely sure. And he was kind enough to tell me what he put. So instead of stealing his words, I'm literally going to read what he said to me about him. So this scout said to me, he was a tenant college, creative, good set piece delivery, played behind the centre forward. At Sporting Kansas 2, they often used him as a centre forward outright. Um, at Sporting Kansas, he also split his time between being a 10 and a DM, a single pivot in a 4-3-3. He played out wide too versatile more so than he showed at college he's agile he's got a good first step but he's not especially fast good technique and an eye for goal his technicals were well above average for ncaa he didn't look to be an mls caliber player though i think he would have gotten a look if he wasn't foreign so that tells me if he thinks he might not be mls caliber but he might have gotten a look that tells me he's right on the cusp of like an upper USL yep. sort of level player. So really interesting player to be introduced into the group. Um, and I'm just, I'm just fascinated to see if we develop that 10 role into being a more traditional 10 role now. Um, in terms of the striker, Veloski. Uh, yeah. I think Veloski. Yeah. Christian Veloski. Yeah. Yeah, Christian Valeski. Yeah, I mate, I've googled his name so many times this week, and I keep spelling it wrong because I go Veloski, Valeski, Valonsky. So Dude, I forget the e every once in a while. Yeah, too. yeah. So Veloski, I'm I'm probably saying it wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see him on train, and we'll find out for real. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would just call him Christian. Um, yeah, it's interesting because we we didn't really have kind of a traditional established nine last season, and when we interviewed Patrice in the off season. He obviously talked about that being the biggest positional need. And I feel like what they've done is long term, I think there is an investment in Tiago Coimbra. I like you speak to people around the club and he is very, very highly thought of by a lot of people with a lot of influence. So I think bringing in a 31 year old with 10 years of experience at a professional level, that's someone fantastic for Tiago to learn from. And I think it shows real faith in Coimbra as well because he, long term he is the man for, for this club um, and I think justified too I've, I've seen enough of him to be convinced that he's he will work out and I think when when you look at Christian's USL record the 67 goals jump out of course but there's also nearly 20 assists in there as well yeah, and that's yeah. what really kind of piques my interest because you look at his tape and he's clearly a goal scorer he's clearly got ice in his veins he's a fantastic finisher who works on instinct but if you're playing in our team you need to be a facilitator if you're the nine as well because we have Massimo Ferrin who is a fantastic goal scorer on the left we have Aidan Daniels Telfer whoever roaming about as well they are all capable of pitching in with five to ten goals a season if not more for Massimo Ferrin so you need a striker who isn't going to be the complete focal point who's the only one who ever gets chances you want him to facilitate as well so those 18 19 assists sound really promising so yeah yeah good good signings i think i never really thought of the coimbra uh aspect of it um he, he is definitely a great like you can see he's got potential but he is kind of rough around the edges and having somebody i think 
like <clears throat> Jordan Fruits to come in like last year probably helped them a little bit because obviously Jordan's kind of played that TFC level kind of whatever. But like having somebody who's consistently done this for ten years and kicking in with assists is uh, that jumped out to me too. And I think uh, it, it just seems like a a smart signing to be perfectly honest with you. So I'm pretty happy with it. So uh, Camillo is coming back too, which we're really happy. Um, I'm so glad he got like a little bit of a run out last year, and I was really really impressed and he's obviously going to give us some uh, under 21 minutes so um we need to kick on with the, the questions because we'll be here all night otherwise so uh this one from halifax steve and chris you're going to answer this one after last year's florida's training and some rumors of a uk preseason, this year's coast-to-coast camp was announced what's your ver- verdict uh improved prep or uh, a little bit underwhelming i think it's smart um i think as important as getting the guys into match fitness get them into travel fitness it's very similar to, you know, an Ontario to BC and back kind of trip in a way, kind of in essence, or out and back. I forget the order it goes, but it's along those lines. And I think it's smart because, you know, as much as this team is, you know, uh, a lot of guys from last year, the year, you know, years past, guys who have experience in the CPL, guys who have experience with this travel, one of the things that Halifax and I'm sure, Pacific and Vancouver kind of deal with the same thing as well is getting into the season takes a little bit longer because those road trips are much, much longer. Um, It's simple math really when it just comes down to hard kilometers and potential stops and layovers. So to me, it's smart. Um, You could have done the same thing in essence in the UK, you know, you're traveling one way, you're going to travel back after a few days assumptively, but you could have also stayed a couple weeks in the UK. And, And I also think, it's hard to carve out fixtures at this time of the year in the UK with clubs and with friendlies, you know, once Halifax's reputation boosts up a little bit, hopefully fingers crossed using football manager terminology here, but um, you know, maybe we'll be worth a team throwing into the schedule in the middle of a season, but you know, we're in the post holiday season kind of coming into the running and all of the, the lower leagues in England and stuff. And, and it's hard, I think for teams to just carve that out. So I think it's smart to keep it North American you're going to be playing college teams that are going to have their expanded rosters at the time, whether it's the kids from that year or the, the, the high school seniors or Juco kids coming in the next year and a couple of MLS two teams as well, yeah. which I think is probably the level that the CPL is balanced out right now. It's like CPL, uh, USL, MLS two. They're kind of all in that. You could roll a dice and, and, and any of the three could be good, better or best on their day. So to me, it, I think it's kind of the perfect little preseason for on-the-field fitness, but I think it's also really going to get the guys into an off-the-field rotation as well. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And I think, uh, I know Derek was kind of hardcore about trying to get a UK preseason, but um, I, I think it, it just makes sense. Uh, where's our first game? Cape Breton, isn't it? Cape Breton and then the Ontario game. No, no, and then... I mean like the first uh, uh, league, league game. game. April 13th. Yeah, where is it? Is it Pacific. York? Pacific. Pacific. Oh, well, there yeah, you go. That's, yeah, that's... Somebody, somebody had said that to me last night. I was playing football last night and somebody had said it to me that uh, it kind of makes sense for them to do the Seattle-Vancouver thing if they're going to be playing Pacific. So um, yeah, I, 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 it makes way more sense to go into the UK and then dragging your ass all the way up to uh, Vancouver. So um... I think I think it's fantastic. What this The pre-season absolutely fantastic and beautifully put by Chris to say not to, like, not, game fitness but having travel fitness as well 
because people forget what a slog it is. And that is a type of fitness you need to build up. You need to get used to these routines you'll have when you've got these long flights. And the fact that we're moving across the country and ending up in Vancouver just before, well, not just before, I, I would guess a week or so before we play Vancouver on the weekend and then, sorry, Pacific on the weekend and then midweek, I think, or towards the end of the following week, Vancouver FC. So if you think about our four hardest matches every single season are the two away games in Pacific and the two away games in Vancouver because of the travel. And by doing it this way, we completely eliminate 50% of those matches in terms of a real high difficulty level because we're not competing with time changes if we've been there for a week beforehand and played a couple of games there beforehand. So honestly, I I, I kind of see this how... I remember when I was growing up, pre-season for Arsenal... Wenger would always take us off to the Austrian mountains, short two-hour flight, play a couple of nice friendlies. Everyone's super fresh. But nowadays, because of the money involved, you've got teams going off to the States, going off to China or wherever to play these kind of money-spinning matches with loads of travel. And I kind of see this preseason for us as going back to that old-school way of doing it where the whole thing is designed to keep players in optimum shape. And, yeah, I, I, I really like I really like what they've done. Yeah, me too. I think it's uh, it's um, and they've involved the fans in it too, which is kind of nice. Mm, um, I can't wait for those games. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this one's from uh, Kevin Anderson. Dude, he's getting an awful lot of mentions. I think when I started charging this fucking guy money for it, <laughs> the, the shit he gets on the pod here. So, uh, Gary, this one's for you because uh, you can answer this first one. What does the Halifax coffee taste like? I imagine a touch salty, ocean water playoff tears. Uh, <laughs> What are the chances the preseason flights to Toronto get cancelled, or is that just the fans? Um, fucking hell, man! These are ripping intervals here. Uh, so, and do you think uh, uh, he'll be salty uh, all off season due to the signings, or will it fade? So, I guess he's probably trying to say that um, Forge haven't made any real blockbuster signings, but I think they have, haven't they? I think it was- yeah, they'll they'll be up there. Yeah. Like they 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 always do that, don't they? They always announce things pretty late in the day um coffee's great kevin the coffee's fantastic when you're here next come and have a coffee at the grounds and be nicer to us in future please <laughs> uh chris this one's for you it's from uh denton um who's probably busy working away on this year's fanzine uh which player on the current squad will be the best Sorry, which player on the current squad squad would do the best job of being the worst mayor of Halifax now that like <laughs> Savage has uh, called it a day? Yeah, I, when he worded the question the way he worded it, I'm thinking to myself, like, somebody who just doesn't like politics but would still make it a good time. And the one guy I could think of was Zach Fernandez. He just seems like, <laughs> he just seems like he's a good time but couldn't give two shits about politics, so he would be the best worst mayor ever because it would be fun. And I'm not comparing him to Doug Ford, obviously, because he's never nothing like him. But I was in Toronto during the Ford era and, you know, politics were the number one story of the day, but it was never for political reasons. And I feel like uh, a Zach Fernandez run Halifax would have lots of fun headlines in in the foreseeable future. So in the way Denton worded the question, I think he would be the the best worst mayor, period. I like this Jeremy show. Um, and I, I hilariously started the, the Nimic for Mayor thing last year, and <laughs> now it has a little bit of validity. Uh, it's a fun, it was a fun question because I actually kind of thought about it, like even over the years, like who would be 
Like, I think of somebody like Elton back in the day who was so quietly vocal, if that makes any sense, like he spoke up when he needed to, which is the type of thing you really want from a politician is somebody that actually has a good head on their shoulders that speaks volumes when they need to rather than speaking all the time for attention or PR. So when I was thinking about all time wanderers for a real good mayor, somebody like Elton back from year one uh, was somebody that came to mind. But I like the question is different. Yeah, I uh, I think all time probably Lewis Pereira would probably be the best, the best of doing the worst job. Uh, he looks like <laughs> the night before a big vote, he'll fucking go out in the piss or something. So, <laughs> so uh, this one's for you, Gary. Uh, this is from uh, Brandon Copeland. Um, our central midfield looks uh, immensely troubling for the teams, perhaps the strongest in the league. In my eyes, any of them, JGL, Caligari, Rampy Daniels, Diaz, Geraldo could start. Does managing a locker room become challenging when everyone is good enough to be starting uh, to be in the starting eleven? Yeah, it's is challenging because players have egos, players have short careers, players want to do everything they can to be playing every week so they can get a move to a high level. I think the way you manage that is something that Patrice has spoken about before, is as a coaching staff, they make sure that it is a meritocracy. So even someone like Lorenzo, who is obviously our best player alongside Dan Nimick, even someone like Lorenzo, if he's been off it in training for a week, he doesn't play. And the player that has been performing well in training plays, that's the only way you can manage a group like that without alienating them. There's, there's Maybe this isn't the day for it, but I think there's a really interesting conversation to be had around our midfield group at the moment, because... When I look at that group of players, and I'm going to include Probo in this because we all know it's all been reported everywhere we signed him. When I look at that group of midfielders, I see them as our biggest strength and also our most glaring weakness as well. And in terms of the biggest strength, I think they are all technicians. They're all incredibly technically competent. They're all players who can look after the ball. They're all possession-orientated players, all these things Patrice likes, which means 90% of games we will dominate the ball and dominate the play and control things. Biggest strength. Biggest weakness. When I look at that, all of the profiles of those players, I think the one thing we're lacking is kind of an off-the-ball monster, someone who can cover large distances. They're all really, really good small space players. And if we can kind of keep the game a small space game, great. If the game is stretched, I do wonder if we need a runner in there. Like if you think about the four phases of a game, you've got kind of a attack, defense, attack in transition, defensive transition. Three of those, we are absolutely in defensive transition. I still have a slight concern. I don't want to see Lorenzo running backwards. I don't want to see Jeremy running backwards. And I, I and I think I don't think I'd have even thought this until Arsenal signed Declan Rice and just me watching Arsenal every week and seeing what happens when you have an off the ball monster in the team. It's it's completely game changing. I think most games will be absolutely fine because they're all good enough to control teams and pass teams to death. But there'll be the odd game next season where teams kind of want to turn it into a defensive transition game where they might be a little bit exposed, but then that's the job of the coaches on the training ground to make sure our defensive transition structure is spot on. Bring back uh, Polisi, I say. Um... <laughs> Honestly, mate, he, he looks good in the data, data in terms of off-the-ball work. <laughs> so uh, this one's from a good friend of the show and a good man all around, Dick Parr from being a Bohemians fan there, uh, Derek Simon. Chris, for you, uh, which new sign do you think 
uh, will make the biggest immediate impact and which one will have the biggest long-term impact? Well, I think we kind of touched on that last weekend with Jeremy kind of filling that veteran role, that veteran leadership. And obviously since then with Christian Voleski, Voleski, we're going to pronounce <laughs> his name 20 different times before we know how to actually pronounce yeah. it. Um, but, you know, those those two fill that veteran leadership role that Daniil leaves. And, and you know, I've, I've, I listed off the other names as well. Omar kind of became that that person as well, that rock in the middle. Uh, you know, to me, the long term, you guys were just talking about it uh, with Coimbra. And I think that that is where Valeski actually might be more the long term impact because his impact might be felt long after he's gone. If a guy like Tiago picks up the pieces that he leaves type thing, right? You know, how Daniil's long-term impact won't be felt, I, I was saying this to Martin, won't be felt for another two, three years, depending on how well Kale and Dan Nimick get along, whether they fix the little intricacies in their game and how much credit you could potentially give uh, the tutelage of Daniil during his brief stay with the club for, uh, for, for putting the boys on that kind of track. So uh, there's there's it's always kind of hard to answer that so early in the process because it could end up being somebody like Camillo. It could be Kareem. If there's an injury issue, you know, the short-term impact thing could just literally be whoever steps up this year, but in long-term that veteran leadership as well, I think is something that will stick long after they leave. And then I look at Jeremy and Valeski for, for both in all honesty for both. I think that's a great answer. And uh, I'll be uh, inclined to agree. Um, this one's for Jonathan Hunt for you, Gary. Uh, I think that this is about, um, uh, it was announced today, I think, that uh, is it Bakari, is that how you say it? The guy from Vancouver mm. who left the English guy. Uh, how would he uh, fit as another young centre-back if we were like to pick him up here? This is Christmas from Jonathan Hunt. I, I, I mean, I didn't watch all of Vancouver's games last season, so I don't know the player too well. But the games I did watch of them... He was he was very energetic, very enthusiastic, but I found him a little bit chaotic to play at the back. And I think you for a centre back, you need calmness, especially in our, the way we play. You need calmness on the ball because you know we're gonna we're gonna invite the press so we can pass through the press. And you need nerves of steel to be that sort of ball progressor. And I don't think I see him as that sort of player. So yeah, I'm 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 not sure I'd take him, but yeah, he always felt like he was on the edge of like getting a red card, and yeah. he was a, like, and he was an amazing like read of the game. But he always just felt like who was like, do you remember um Mike Bassett? Do you remember the defender of that? Uh, you ever seen that movie with Mike Bassett? Yeah, yeah, Bassett? yeah. I was wondering were you talking about Mike Bassett, yeah. England manager? Then you were, yeah, but the yeah. Uh, the the oh, defender, oh, fucking two, <laughs> yeah, the defender that got uh, kept getting sent off. Uh, yeah, kept, yeah, that, it reminds me of him. Uh, this one's for all of us, and this is from. Uh, uh, good friend Josh Healy. Uh, so who is each of your Wanderers lookalikes or closest to? Uh, for added intrigue, your co hosts have to pick for you. So Gary's an absolute wanker, so I'm gonna let Chris pick for me. Uh, so Chris, who do you think? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I look like anybody because I, I look like I'm fucking Santa Claus, so I don't know. <laughs> I went, I went, uh, I went off the what's what's the word off the board for this one. You and Patrice look like you could be long lost brothers in a sense. Not okay. bad shout. Yeah. Yeah. So when I couldn't think of a player, not being rude to you, Anthony, but you know, oh, there's, not okay. a lot of, there's not a lot of beards. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Fillion was was an outside shot, but I saw, I, I, I was it Denton, I think, maybe not Denton, but somebody had mentioned Fillion as, as a shout. And I like that. But 
for Anthony, I was thinking kind of off the board. I was like, you and Patrice, there's 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 some similarities there. I think you guys yeah. could be brothers for sure. I like Gary as uh, as Elliot for sure. <laughs> Elliot's Elliot's my Northampton brother as well. We're both from Northampton, so there you that go. makes sense. So, like it's always true. These are all fucking inbred, basically. There, right? so... <laughs> yeah, basically. It's a midland. That's the midlands for you. Everybody mate. looks the same. From <laughs> Uncle Dad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was. I will take that as a compliment. Patrice is a very good looking man. So yeah, I'll take that. Uh, Gary, uh, you can uh, do Chris, and then I guess I'll. I'm. I'm gonna steal what someone else commented on Twitter for Chris. I think Omar Kareem is the best shout. For him, that's amazing. I didn't see that. That's yeah, amazing. yeah. It's, I, there's not one better than that. So yeah, definitely Omar. It has to be Elliot Simmons. Like the only person I can think of for you, Gary. Like I mean, you, you guys. Are... Yeah, 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 yeah. We should we should probably take a screenshot of this call and people can vote. <laughs> I will do that. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. It's very fucking dangerous. I will do that though. Um, the, la- the last time you screenshotted one of these chats, I was drinking Guinness out of a coffee cup, and you, yeah, was, well, you outed me. That was because you're like it was an absolute dick move. Uh, so <laughs> I will do that. I promise when I'm going to. Uh, uh, this one is uh, from good friend of the show, Jerry Warnick. Uh, he's got two questions, Chris. Uh, one, where do you see Daniels playing? Two. Uh, Derek Martin said he was most excited for a right, right wing signing. Was that Telfer or is there exciting right winger still to come? When you kind of like break down the signings, who's who's on the roster, who's here, who's there, it seems logical that the next signing is probably going to be like a right back, center back type player. It seems to be the only role where we're lacking at least a little touch of depth. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the center back question is going to come up later on. I don't want to spoil my answer for that, but. I think we're a little more center, settled at center back if Max Boother ends up making the team. But there, there's also that definite need to have somebody to replace Kale's role as that center back because both Kareem and Max have more of a profile like Dan. Tremendous you know, defender, tremendous stopper, but not quite more of a cover sweeper, mess you up if you get into my zone like Kale is. So to me, the next signing looks like it's in that right center back role. So... It's possible um, Telfer either wing has kind of been his primary position over his career. So it's, it's, it's pretty possible that Derek meant Ryan, especially the way he kind of went to bat for him on Twitter against some people. Um, But, you know, there is also that possibility with the development contracts and stuff still yet to be um, settled and stuff. There could be some depth in the scouting department that maybe, Matt and Derek want to bring to the club to see if they've got some quality as well. And maybe it's in that position. Um, we saw both Kimani and uh, Ethan find great roles after they left the Wanderers. And, 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 you know, it is in part because the club gave them a bridge between one club to school in Kimani's case, and then uh, Kilmernick in Ethan's case. So, yeah, I think the right wing signing was probably Telfer. Um, and what was the second question again? Sorry, oh, Kevin? sorry, it was. Um, let me see. Sorry, uh, where do you see uh, Aiden Daniels? Playing? Oh, yeah, I, I, Gary probably has a much more uh, fluent, technical, tactical answer for this one. But if I'm going to be completely honest with you, the way the signings have kind of laid out, and the way we've seen Patrice's structure and tactics over the last, well, I guess we could say 12 months. It'll be 12 months soon. And in Gary's case, you've probably watched like what six, seven, ten years worth of 
footage of Patrice Geyser <laughs> managed <laughs> matches. But this feels like a more inverted type team. There's not that width. Even in Telfer's case, he can play as a number nine or ten. He can play as a fullback. And, you know, the, the more I've been looking and observing the signings, the more I'm seeing more central type players. Whereas if you're playing a 4-2-3-1, for example, um, the wingers aren't necessarily wingers as much as they kind of tuck inside a little bit and get wide when the space is provided. And as we've seen over the last couple of years, that's where Aiden Daniels can thrive at times. Like he's really good on the ball. He can be patient um, on a on a good day. And, and when he's having a tough day, he also still finds ways to get into space and create opportunities for himself. And when I look at a Probo, when I look at a Diaz, when I look at what we have now with a Rampersad, Jeremy, Geraldo is in that role as well, where he can kind of play anywhere from an eight to a number nine, number 10, any of those roles, Aiden Daniels is the exact same type of player. So I guess that Gary probably has like a more uh, a wise tactical <laughs> description of what I'm trying to say. But to me, I think that as a whole, tactically, we're not going to be as wide in the advanced positions. I think I feel like the width is going to come from the fullbacks, um, Fernandez, uh, Wesley, Ferrazzo, and then Kareem is even shown and proven that he can get up and down. He'll be more of a reserved fullback, but we've got some roles there already which is another reason why I think the next signing um, could be in that type of mold as well, uh, a fullback that can get up and down the pitch. So, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it shows itself in the preseason if there is that width and if a player like Aiden Daniels finds himself in kind of like that left winger role where we know he's not necessarily at his best. Uh, you know, is he going to work on his game in that aspect or, or whatnot? So I moved on because I don't want to hear Gary's uh, nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Gary, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'll be really quick. I think I think it's interesting that you're talking about inver- inversion and width there because the way we kind of got balanced last season was one side would be kind of the inverting side and one side would be the width side. So if if Aiden was inverting from the right, then Massimo would stay high and wide on the left and, and vice versa. So if you think about the evolution of the team, I think you need... To be unpredictable, which Patrice always talks about, he wants to be unpredictable, you need to be able to invert from either side. So going into games, teams don't know which way you're going to do that. How are you going to form the box? Are you going to form the box by inverting a winger or or by inverting a fullback? Which side are you going to do it, etc.? Um, so that will be a big part of it. And very quickly on Aidan Daniels, I think when we think about Aiden Daniels, we shouldn't think about where he starts off on the pitch. We should think about where he ends up in terms of where does he receive the ball and whether he's a right winger or a more traditional 10, he's going to be receiving the ball in the same areas, which is in those little pockets and half spaces. So yeah, that's my, you can move on now. Yep. Thanks. Uh, this one from uh, Halifax, Dave, uh, for you, Gar. Uh Most needed role left for the squad. I know you've kind of touched on it before. I just wanted to like, mm. uh, uh, he reckons it might be a backup uh, right back. Um, assuming where's JGL and inverted are on left back, or is Ferrazzo backing up both sides? I think I think Ferrazzo is backing up both sides. I think in terms of the left back, Kareem's again. I'm I'm kind of using the way we played towards the end of last season, but Kareem so would be my backup to Wesley at left back because that left back became a left centre back and that's Kareem's position and he can also play left back. So that's a, that's another reason that's a really good signing because 
he's I think he's first man up at left back and at left center back if either of those players go down. Um right back, yeah, yeah, we've got we've got Zach coming back. We've got Ferrazzo who can do a good good job there. So I wouldn't say that's the most pressing need. Um for me, I, I don't th- I don't think positionally there's a pressing need. I just think we need a bit more depth everywhere except centre midfield. We definitely need another centre back because we've only got three centre backs and you need four to go into a season because of injuries. Um, another wide player as well. I, I think we need in term and maybe another young striker who can kind of come on for the last ten minutes in games every now and then to to get the under twenty one minutes up. Sweet. Uh, this one's from uh, CB Keeper. We've kind of answered it, so I will read the question though because you were nice up to the sentence. Well, the Wanderers have focused on midfields and forwards this off season. Our two starting central defenders are arguably the best partnership in the CPL. That's true, but we're thin if an injury occurs to either one. Do you feel we need to solidify these positions with the next signings? Uh, Chris, go ahead, man. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, Gary said we've got three for sure. It's like I also mentioned Max Boothra, who we drafted. He's kind of got the ability to play as a center back, holding midfielder as well. Kind of like in a weird way, if he makes the club, he kind of replaces Omar in that hybrid role. Like if you need somebody as a center back, he can do it confidently, probably a lot better as that anchor. Um, But to me, yeah. And, And like that right center back, somebody preferably like Kareem, if that makes any sense, somebody who can play right center back slash full center or full right back. Um, in, a, in a four or five man set, it, it, importantly, because I do feel like, again, with things appearing to be more central in terms of the profile of the players we've signed so far, I feel like we might see a flex of three in the back. It happened a lot in training, and I'm not going to I, I it's one of the things I've, I've always sworn I will never speak about what I see in training, but we've seen it in games that it's not like I'm pe- peeling an onion that nobody smelled before. You know, three in the back is always a possibility. And, and I, I do feel like having that player that can get up and down the field, if we don't have Zach at right back, Riley is a great role player there. But again, if there's an injury on the left side of the pitch and we need some depth in center back and Kareem will have to be that three guy there, we're going to need somebody with that type of profile. So, yeah, I, I think that and, and actually I joked with them on Twitter. I said that I have a, a hot take on this one. Um, there's also some experience in our midfield at center back much, much earlier in their career. And you could probably look at the pro- take process of elimination and see who we have at center back and assume who it is. And, you know, to me, we have shown over the years that guys have been able to step up in roles that they're not necessarily comfortable with, sometimes not to great success, but, you know, the willingness is there just to get on the field. And I feel like, it would be kind of scary to go into the season without at least one more center back piece. And I mentioned the development contracts as well. Again, you know, that fourth, fifth center back in the system could barely play a minute, but at least they're there for support. So I, I think that the, the assumption is with the fitness of those two guys, they'll play most, if not all the matches we know Kale is good for a suspension here or there, not, yep. to, not to talk shit about the guy because I love him to death, but you know, he is a stopper to the core and will take a yellow when he needs to. So those add up as we've seen in this league and to have that kind of depth, I think is important. So yeah, I, I CB keeper, I think sent that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not pressing, pressing like Gary said about right back. I think that we could survive with what we have. But I think it would be smart to use one of these last couple of signing pieces or at least 
a chunk of the development pieces on that position. Then we, 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 I bet you what's happened is that they've, uh, they're going to offer the Neil Henry a third of what they offered him last year and bring him back. <laughs> so uh, this one's for, uh, let me see here. Chris, this from Kerry Ryan. Uh, so uh, she has said, for whatever he did to get a few matches, Chris Earl, uh, thank you for whatever you did to get a few matches out west so I can see the boys before I fly back east for the home opener. Um, she does have one question. Uh, what changes, shifts do you expect to see to the existing squad with the additions of the new signings? That's kind of, well, first, uh, to answer the first part, uh, Carrie and I have talked about Voodoo before. So, yeah, Voodoo. Um, I'm glad that she gets to see them a, a bit more. She's an incredible person. I haven't actually got to meet her in person, but from our interactions on Twitter, she's one of our best for sure. And it's kind of cool to have somebody who supports the club from afar, supported as hard as she does and with as much love and passion as she does as well. So uh, I'm excited to actually meet her and, and buy her a beer and or non-alcoholic beverage as, as she pops out for a visit to the Wanderers grounds. Um, the other question that she had it doesn't seem like there's any out and out wingers or like you know wide forward types if you will so we saw width over the last five years well whether it's patrice's system or stephen hart's system like width was the most important part of the structure so i think if i'm gonna just take a wild guess maybe it's a little less wide in terms of the base and maybe a little more wide in the freedom of letting those players take those positions on the flank uh, this one's for uh, Gary. Um, this is from Sven Pearson. Uh, where would a, a 23-man squad consisting of Jan Filion and 22 Dan Nimics finish in the CPL? We'll win it all, mate. Open bus top, open top bus parade, <laughs> everything. You know, when when I first read that question, I thought he was shaping up to be like one of those um would like 23 horse-sized duck be that you know, that those sort of questions people do. So I was yeah, I was hoping it was gonna be one of those with like 23 Dan Nimic size, whatever beat this much. So <laughs> yeah, that that'll be a fantastic team because we're in Dan Nimic, we've got a defender and a striker rolled into one. So yeah, yeah. winning it all. And then um, let me see here. So a lot of long ball on that, right? Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of diags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, a lot of a lot of headers. Uh, so uh, this one from Botman and Ruben. Uh, what are your thoughts on the preseason fixtures in Toronto, Seattle, and BC? We've we've answered that. So thank you so much for your question. I really appreciate it. <clears throat> this one's from uh great friend of the show and all around good guy. Sometimes uh, James Jansen. Uh, if you could do a five person team. Of historical international wanderers, who would you choose? Do you want to go first on that? Yeah, I I need to think about this for a second. Ooh, it's funny too because like I read the questions, I like the questions, but I try to forget about them until yeah, because I want a more genuine answer without a keeper. Jan, I mean, if you have a keeper, James the keeper, right? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. so I'll have fun and say we'll we'll go with an open net. I would do. I would do a two-one-two. I'd have Rampy and Bona in the back. I'd have Ida in the middle, and I'd have Morelli. I guess Akeem as the other forward. Yep. That's yeah. Five. yep. I would go. I would go Rampy Bona in the back. Ida kind of to like bridge the gaps, and I'd have Morelli and Garcia up front. That two-one-two. Pretty solid, Gar. 
Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll have Jan in goal. Um, obviously Morelli up front, Rampy and Elton John in the middle, and centre back. Centre back. Let's go for Big Pete. Big Pete Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. A powerful oh, team that is. I hope he doesn't listen to this because he's going to be pissed off that I put Rampy <laughs> in the back over. <laughs> I know. Yeah, let's stick a midfielder there instead. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'll go with John obviously in goal. Uh, Dan Nimick is not fucking Canadian. He was like here. He was here for like <laughs> no. he was here for like he was here for like four days or something when he was born. Yeah, so. there was like a layover. Yeah, so he, oh, Dan, Dan, Dan Nimick in the back. Uh, Rampy, uh, Morelli, and. Who would I put up? Uh, who would I put up front? Uh, that'd be Akeem, I guess. Prime Akeem, like 2020 Ireland games. Uh, Akeem, I think. Uh, I think it's a pretty good, solid team there. Morelli in midfield. I'm not having that. He, he hasn't got the legs. It'd be no, no. Like just like so. Rampy's oh, in Roman. midfield. Uh, Rampy's in midfield, and then he's like kind of in behind. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, pulling the strings. Yeah, I'll allow that. <laughs> Fucking hell, Gary! Like I didn't like say to you about like the team you picked. Oh, fuck yourself. Uh, so this uh, this is the last question. Jesus, lad, you've done well. I think um, uh, this is from Andrew Beeman, and I just like to say, uh, <laughs> I love this one. Yeah, this this is fucking. And this is the last on purpose because it was a, it's an asshole thing. I feel I'm being bullied now, but I will I will do it. He, <laughs> do, you, do you want me that, to read the question to you? Yes, please. So yeah. Andrew asked Anthony to please say she sells seashells on the seashore. Take it away, Ant. I'm not doing it five times. I'm just going to do a fucking one because so it's going to be a fucking mess. And I, I wish I had like a little plastic bag around my mic right now. So <laughs> she sells seashells by the seashore. Hey, that's not too fucking shabby. That was not yeah. too bad, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He also asked, uh, which player do we think he will fangirl over this year? We're not answering that. I'm joking. Uh, no. Uh, who, who do you think is it like, but this, like, you know, obviously like uh, Dan Nimick was a big uh, draw last year and as was Daniel when he came along but who, who do you think is going to be like a, the, the, the firm fan favourite this year was was Andrew he he liked Teo Coloma a lot last year didn't he I remember yeah. him asking about it. yeah so if he likes that sort of player he likes he likes an attacker he likes somebody who scores, scores goals it's got to be Christian surname mispronounced doesn't it yeah um, I, I, I think it's going to be uh, I think Vito Diaz is going to be um, yeah, like uh, the fact that we're able to pull a caliber player like that, like that's played at MS Next Pro, and he sees this has been a good stepping stone for his career at 25. A he says a lot for the league, B he says a lot for Halifax, and I think, uh, yeah, I think he's going to do really good things. I think he'll be your little thing. How about you, Chris? I think it might be a weird answer because I think a lot of people have already fangirled him, and I used him for a previous answer already. But I think Zach comes into this season maybe with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. You know, he doesn't have to prove anybody anything, but I think he wants to prove himself. He, you know, the the reports about him moving on potentially this offseason, now he's sticking around. It kind of feels like it's the last season, the swan song. He loves his club. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And we saw how last season ended with him. You know, I, I love him to death. And I, I feel like he's going to play to a level, to, to an inspiration that I think that we're going to see our fandom's love for him almost expand. So I actually only just thought about this in my head here in the last couple of seconds when I was listening to um, to the answers provided beforehand, that Zach is probably the one guy, you know, Dan Dan is automatic, Rampy's automatic, 
Um, the guys who like Aiden Daniels, automatic. Um, it seems like these guys have those those hard permanent fan bases. And, and Zach is one of those guys as well. He's a big fan favorite. But I also feel like with him having that chip on his shoulder and that point to prove and him wanting to work on that next step of his career, I think we're we're going to be behind him for sure. And, and I think that the fans will respond accordingly. Uh, I think that this is kind of being underplayed a little bit. I think Derek Martin made a point for during the week that um, the, the people we've brought in is like a good level, but the people we've been able to keep, like, I mean, at the end of yes. like last year, like he, he made a point of saying that Zach Fernandez is going to move on, Dan Nimick was going to move on, Lorenzo yeah. is going to move on. Like it, it sounds like we're going to lose like a, a huge big uh, center, central core of our team. And the fact that we've been able to so far anyway, like keep, cause like the USL window is kind of gone now and MLS kind of window is, is kind of um, unless something crazy happens, uh, feels like we've kept a good, a good core of our team. So uh, yeah, I'm, we've, I'm, we've talked about that privately, Anthony, um, off and on over the last couple of months. Like that feels in itself, like that stability is a huge signing. Yeah, it was like you said, Dan might be gone, Zach might be gone, Kale might be gone, and then you could even you know expand that a little bit further to somebody like a Ferrazzo, like, are they going to keep him? He was such a utility piece last year. It's hard to replace those type of guys. Like it, it seemed as if we might be saying goodbye to one or two of these guys that we love. And here we are with Lorenzo solidly in that midfield, Nimick solidly in that back line. Fernandez is back. These guys are hungry. And that in itself feels like, as good, if not better than some big name signing that might come in and, and it just might not gel. You have a confidence that this is going to work in whatever form it's supposed to work because these guys already showed and proved that they can play at this level. They can play above this level and they know what they have to do to, to succeed for the city. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll leave it there. And um, I am going to ask the listeners uh, a little bit of homework uh, because I feel like um Somewhere in Ottawa, there's a mathematic genius of the level of Stephen Hawking who <laughs> is able to keep that fucking team under the cap. Uh, they've kept Johnny, they've signed Johnny Grant today. Rumors are that Manny Aparicio is moving to Ottawa. I just don't know how the fuck uh, they're going to keep every and the, the pieces they've added already. Uh, it just seems like somebody's doing some Trump level mathematics in Ottawa. So yeah, that's your homework for next week, folks. <laughs> folks, please. Right folks, please. Time to drink up, folks. Get out. Out to fuck.